0: Oh. <laughs>
1: You're listening to Beauty and Impact, the show that gets valuable insights from changemakers disrupting the norms of beauty, wellness, and sustainability.
0: We tackle topics like the impacts of beauty ingredients on our health and the environment, where people of color fit into the clean beauty conversation, sustainable beauty solutions, and so much more.
1: We're your hosts and sisters, environmental activist Ashley Renee Insanwu and clinical skincare industry insider Jasmine Hill, here to spill all the green tea on beauty and sustainability. Let's go. Hey, so did you miss part 1 of this mind-blowing interview? If so, make sure you go back and listen before joining us here for part 2. Trust, you are not going to want to miss any of the green tea that was spilled in that first episode.
2: It is important to start learning more about these issues and looking at what can we do as consumers, but also what should we be demanding of our policymakers and of companies. Yeah. yeah. I think that's what was so interesting about, you know, when we clicked off of, you know, through
0: like the Instagram feed and saw this clean beauty justice initiative, mm-hmm. right? Because again, kind of like bringing it down to some of the information that was on the website about some of the things that are connected back to you know, when you're very young, right, like you're getting like the early onset puberty, and then you're starting to think about, oh, wait, wait a minute, you know, I started using XYZ hair care product at mm-hmm. you know, the drop of age one or two, the uh-huh. so things that maybe someone has been using yeah. their life, right? Um, Absolutely. Really I think about that, because even if they're not using a quote unquote, beauty routine, there's so many personal care products, They've been using or you've been using on them since birth. So I'll let you maybe like introduce a little bit about like, you know, clean beauty justice.
1: Yeah. Initiative. Yeah. So, you know, Environmental Defense Fund, they have the initiative, um, the Clean Beauty Justice Initiative, that's committed to um, accessing safer beauty products for women of color, which is great much needed. When we came across this initiative, it feels like there's this larger overall view of the need for this access to clean beauty Mm. rooted in social justice and environmental justice, because just like, even like personally as an individual, like we can't make those well-informed health choices when it relates to um, the personal care products that we use if Those policies are not in existence that help provide transparency around these industrial chemicals that could cause reproductive harm for adults or potentially harmful effects during, you know, our baby's development or those developmental windows for for children. And like I said, this is just very important for me because I just had a baby. So this is all very real and relevant for me, as well as a lot of women who are listening to this. You know, we saw that there was a study that was published that was calling on healthcare providers to become more aware of how exposure to environmental chemicals might impact the reproductive health of vulnerable populations. And it was the first time that I personally became aware that women of color might be disproportionately yeah. exposed. So. I want to talk with you about, you know, why clean beauty should matter to women of color in particular. Like, why should we care about this? I I want to know, like, what does the data tell us about the need for clean products as it relates to us and the disparities that exist, you know, right here within this beauty industry?
2: Absolutely. And, you know, starting out, and I'm glad earlier, you know, it was mentioned as we talk about beauty, you know, really talking about beauty and personal care products. Not just makeup and such, but what we put in our hair, what we're putting on our bodies. And I think back to thinking about like past routines and things like that. There is a certain type of lotion like my whole family used. And I used it well into adulthood. I have since stopped. Oh yeah. my God, so, so. but like certain lotions <laughs> yeah. were like the neon pink hair moisturizer <laughs> yeah. that my mom used to put in my hair. I was say, uh, the pink
0: oil right? that belly color
2: yeah. <laughs> or like exactly, or like the weird neon green or neon blue <laughs> hair care products. And looking back, it's like, oh my goodness, of course there must have been something okay. going yeah. on there. And you know, I had I had gotten my first relaxer when I was 12. And then for the next, like, what, 15 years, I was probably longer. Yeah, it wasn't until my early 30s where, you know, I stopped. I stopped doing straightening my hair. Right. Um, And so thinking about like that whole time period of that. But yeah, you know, what I didn't know as a kid, what many of us don't know is that beauty and personal care products that are marketed to primarily women of color like us, often contain more toxic ingredients than products marketed to white women. We're looking at products like hair moisturizers and skin products that are geared towards curly or coily hair and darker skin tones. And as a result, women of color, we face greater exposure to toxic ingredients used in beauty and personal care products. Uh, And unfortunately, we're also seeing that these chemicals, they show up in our bodies at higher concentrations. So for example, a chemical called diethyl phthalate, so it's in the class of phthalates, and it's a common fragrance ingredient, it shows up at 1.8 times higher levels in Black women than white women, and you know that's unacceptable. And unfortunately, that's not the only chemical where we notice that there are higher amounts that show up in our bodies. And even though women of color purchase more beauty products than white women, beauty and personal care products, and for example, black women can purchase up to nine times more beauty and personal care products, the clean beauty industry, it's been growing exponentially, but it has primarily been leaving women of color behind. And with the majority of these products, more geared towards, you know, mainstream or white women. And what we're trying to do with Clean Beauty Justice is make sure that as there is this push for products made with safer ingredients, that um, there is a faster push for that to happen in products that are marketed to women of color, because we already suffer a greater toxic disparity when you look across the beauty industry.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think about the story I told my sister about, um, you know, Rio that they had back in the day. Oh. So it was like <laughs> the the world's first, you know, natural hair relaxer. And I was this close to having my parents put it on me. And then they started getting all of the, um, the backlash about it actually, um, people's hair falling out from the use of it, you know, so just kind of like thinking back to that. And realizing you can't always be just 100% sure about what you're using. Right. And so just trying to make sure that there are, you know, the basic need you're flipping that package over, mm-hmm. trying to see, you know, exactly what is the transparency behind what is in what you're using. Right. What you're using and the safety of what you're using. Yep. Right. Yeah. yeah. been evaluated. Um, When we're looking at certain ingredients in beauty products and then personal care products, like we were talking about before, and we're looking at, um, you know, early onset puberty, breast cancer, um, et cetera, in women of color, this was something Mm. that kind of came up on the homepage of the Clean uh, Beauty Justice Initiative. Can you talk a little bit more to that at all about like what that link is? you know, what maybe some women of color might not know, because I know, before actually looking at that page, I did not know about the early onset puberty, Mm -hmm. that could be linked to some products that we're using, especially like we were talking a little bit before, the products that maybe we've been using on our kids, since they were who knows what age. Yeah,
2: right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's depressing, right? You know, one example take skin lightening creams. And of course, those are always geared towards women of color, right? Um, Because all of this really fits into this world where structural racism is very integrated into the fabric of society, right? But in um, uh, one instance, there were high levels of um, mercury found in um, skin lightening creams. And mercury is a known neurotoxic chemical, meaning it can damage... It can damage your brain, right? Um, a 2018 study found that there were 45 hormone-disrupting um, or asthma-associated chemicals in 18 hair products, primarily used by Black women and girls. Um, and two of the hair relaxers um, that were marketed to children that were in this study, they contained the highest levels for the hormone-disrupting chemicals. And going back to what we were talking about, about, you know, our different regulatory systems, like in the EU and the US, like those four chemicals, they're banned. They're banned in beauty products in the EU. They're not banned here. Right. And, you know, some detractors will say, well, you can't prove a cause and effect. And you know what? It's true. Causation is very complicated. It's a very complicated thing to prove when we look at studies of the impacts of chemicals. But we, we can see strong correlations between these commonly used ingredients and health impacts in women of color. Um, so for one instance, early childhood exposure to hormone-disrupting chemicals or endocrine-disrupting chemicals, they're the same thing. But early childhood exposure to these chemicals through hair products is associated with early onset menarche. So that is when you have your first period. And this, having early onset periods, is a risk factor for breast cancer. And on average, black girls tend to get their periods earlier than white girls do. And so what we cannot ignore is that the products that we use from an early age on a regular basis may be part of the equation.
0: Happy, right? There's just there's a lot to think about. Yeah, we're using things on ourselves, we're using things and buying yeah. for, you know, other people in our family because obviously they're not responsible for getting it for themselves yet, right? You spoke a little bit about, you know, skin lightening creams and you know the right whether it's here, whether it's in, you know, India. I think Ashley and I did a trip yeah. right before the shutdown and you know, mm-hmm. like we just kind of made note of all the different advertisements of, you know, like trying to specifically do like skin lightning cream design.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. That message is all around the world. I mean, it's pervasive in, you know, a lot of countries that have been colonized before. And I mean, I think it's safe to say that it's those European beauty standards that have negatively impacted melanin rich individuals all over the world. <laughs> you know? Like you said, between like wanting to straighten your hair and lighten your skin tone. I mean, I, I want to say I went to India mm, well over 10 years ago and I I have pictures still of like the billboards I saw advertising skin lightening cream and they're still being advertised to this day. And, you know, I've brought it up like even on my Instagram page you know about what a problem this is and you'll still have people arguing that you know that's their decision that's what they want to do and like that's just how deep this goes like people really do feel this pressure to lighten their skin and straighten their hair and you know subscribe to these, these other beauty standards that you know they have to, unfortunately turn to chemicals in order to fulfill
2: and yeah and you pressure- know Yeah, skin lighteners and hair relaxers, they're definitely like the lightning rod here, right? In terms of there's a very direct connection to these products being something to try and fit what we're told is like that beauty, like, yeah, exactly. Like this is the look that we're supposed to have, right? But then what's also happening too is like, even even if we look at like, say, for example, like I, I wear my hair naturally now. I still need to be cautious about what might be lurking in the products marketed for natural hair as well, because this is a lack of prioritizing safer chemistry across the board and making sure that companies are using the safest possible ingredient in their products, making sure that those ingredients are there for a reason and that they aren't tied back. To chronic
1: health impact. So it's like, whether you choose to straighten your hair or rock your hair natural, it's like, we just can't win. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
2: I know we laugh, but yeah, it's like, this is, there is this evidence that we as women of color through all the products we use, and we didn't even talk about makeup, right? Like, you know, the diagram. Oh, yeah, exactly. And so it's like, we need a clean beauty industry to recognize this is an area that is desperately in need for cleaner, safer beauty. And I'll go back to, you know, EDF's like definition of what that is. That should mean safest possible ingredients in products, right? And products that actually provide uh, usefulness, products that are helpful. I think some of the products we've talked about today Do they need to exist, right? (laughs) We've kind of talked about, right? But for just generally speaking with the beauty industry, a real focus on like a credible definition of clean beauty and what that means for the different ways that they select ingredients. Well,
1: we really appreciate the work that you're doing. And we're we're hoping that with all the work that you're doing, you know, as a result, maybe the demand for these products that, have higher levels of toxicity will perhaps start to dissipate within the black and brown you know, community and from black and brown cultures all around the world. You know that, I'm sure that's the goal of your organization. Uh, that's the hope and the dream. Uh, what would you say is the number one opportunity you see to advance beauty justice right now? And I guess the biggest obstacle to achieving that.
2: Right. I mean, we need companies to prioritize ingredient safety and to commit to advancing racial equity. So there needs to be this recognition that there is a toxic disparity here when we're talking about products marketed to women of color, that we are seeing the effects inside our bodies and we are seeing the impact in terms of the mismatch, in terms of the frequency with which we get certain disorders like fibroids. Yeah, I think that one big thing for companies to also recognize is that it's not just about, like what we've seen a little bit in clean beauty is, uh, maybe you'll have a large company say, oh yeah, I'm gonna create this line of clean beauty products, but the rest of my products I'm gonna leave alone. It's like, no, this needs to be a commitment across the board, right? It needs to be a commitment... Across the board and these products have to be available and affordable for everyone as well we shouldn't have to be able to go and get like super high-end super expensive products to bring safe products into our home to use safe products with our family, we
0: need to do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's definitely
1: not for the babies. I'm just like, wait,
0: wait, right? No. Oh,
1: that part <laughs> access is everything. There's no point in making all these products if right. you can't access them. Yeah, exactly.
2: Access it's so huge, and so that's another reason. Like, you know, we we need this to be accessible for everyone. We need companies to be advancing racial equity because again, there is this existing disparity here um, that needs to be solved. And, you know, we shouldn't be blocked just by the color of our skin or the texture of our hair from having safer, safer products, from being able to purchase safer products for ourselves and our family.
1: Agreed. Mic drop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everything you just said. I well, mean, well, I was say, okay. Well, I, I was going <laughs> to say, it's just it's so much to process. So for those who are listening, I guess, what should the takeaway be for them? Like how can they, women of color in particular, how can they start, you know, their journey to cleaning up their beauty routine? And, you know, what kind of steps can they take to ensure that, you know, all these products that we're using um, that are potentially hazardous to our health are actually, you know, now safe for their health and in our environment? You know, what can we do?
0: Yeah. Are you signing back up on your website? Yeah, You know, going back
2: and I saw like there was a place for people to enter in like their emails down there or just kind of like browsing the site a little bit as a resource. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I definitely recommend people who want to learn more to sign up on our cleanbeautyjustice.org website to gain more information. You know, in terms of this is, we're talking about a system that's broken, right? And so At the end of the day, it's up to companies and it's up to policymakers to create that safer marketplace and better protect our health. But that being said, there are resources to help consumers learn more about this, but also try and make different purchase decisions for the products. Right. One of the resources that I believe we point to on our website was something created by Silent Spring Institute and We Act and Black Women for Wellness. Those are three different organizations focused on environmental health. The latter two in particular focused on um, health for women of color. And they have um, developed some useful tips for women of color with respect to hair products, for things to look out in hair products. I'll mix in with that. Just some tips that I can rattle off right now are, you know, like trying to avoid certain ingredients like parabens or DEA or phthalates or oxybenzone. Those are some to kind of look out for in products, on product lists. And, you know, definitely scrutinize products where you don't even see a lot of ingredient information or you can't find information on the website about the products. Look out also for like misleading marketing claims like chemical-free you know, we talked about that earlier. That does not true. That doesn't make sense. Chemical-free, look out for that one. Toxin-free also, or preservative-free. And then just for keeping up on how are companies defining clean? Because there are, you know, said we said it's kind of like a wild, wild west right now. And so each company is kind of has their own definition. So check to see if the retailer or the brand is really explicit about what does their clean label represent? What are they doing behind the scenes to make sure that this is credible? And are they trying to be ambitious with their clean label or their clean shop? Yeah, these are great
1: tips. And definitely all of the resources that you mentioned, we're definitely going to link in the show notes where everyone was saying, gosh, this has been so helpful. Also scary. Yeah, I know.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's how I feel every day. Like, it's at least it it feels like it kind of
0: puts some of things like back into our Mm -hmm. hands, you know, being able to be more aware of like what's going on, how to do it. Because I think, you know, a lot of times when you're just like rushing through things, you're not paying attention to everything either. right? Right. So, even like when I started to research more about like a clean and what is clean, if I just saw that marketed somewhere. And then I kind of just like reach for it and then digging into it more, starting to realize, like you said, well, what's clean at Target and, you know, with like five ingredients on the list Mm -hmm. is way different than, you know,
2: what's clean at Credo with like 2,500 things on the list. Right. 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 Cause there's no like harmonized definition yet. Right. And that's really where we need to get to. A strong, harmonized
0: definition. Yeah. I love it. And I love that you guys are providing some resources for people.
1: Yeah, you're helping put back the control into our hands so that, you know, we can take control of our health through our beauty products that we use and body care and all the things that you mentioned, all, all, all <laughs> consumer products, apparently, all the furniture that we're sitting on, as you mentioned at the beginning. <laughs> um, <laughs> but honestly, you know, as, like I said, scary as it sounded, I, I'm actually very hopeful that things are going to change and I love that you've provided so many resources and tips and it makes me feel like I can actually do something about it. So I really appreciate all the work that you're doing, especially for women of color, since we're apparently uh, the the ones who are being marketed towards with all of these, you know, harmful (laughs) chemicals. So, you know, we need to know this information and I hope that the women listening um, have really taken notes and are going to take control of their, their health through the tips that you've given. So thank you so much again.
2: Thank you. It's been a pleasure to chat with you. And hopefully this information is helpful for your listeners. And yeah, we're just trying to chart a future towards a safer marketplace and making it easier for everyone to be able to trust the products that they bring into their home. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you, ladies.
1: (laughs) Thank you for tuning in to Beauty and Impact today. If you got any gems from this episode, please subscribe to us wherever you're listening and show us some love by writing a review. It helps other beauties looking to make an impact just like you find the show so they can listen too. And while you're waiting for the next episode to drop, just
0: go ahead and hit us up on Instagram at Beauty and Impact. We'd love to hear from you.
1: All right, that's it. We'll catch you in the next episode with more green tea on beauty and sustainability.